0: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. 2020 was a time of racial reckoning for America. It galvanized the largest multiracial, multigenerational movement in the country's history. It stirred discussions about systemic racism, including issues of policing and how or whether to talk about race in classrooms. For the Asian American community, though, the pandemic stirred another kind of reckoning. As Chinese Americans were scapegoated for the COVID-19 pandemic, it dredged up painful stories of how early Chinese immigrants were treated. They came to California during the gold rush, and in the following decades, they built our country's railroads and worked in mines. This year, a curious thing has been happening in cities in the Bay Area where early Chinese immigrants settled. In May, Antioch became the first city in the country to address its racist history, which includes an angry mob forcing the Chinese to leave and burning down a Chinatown in 1876.
1: Today, we, as the city of Antioch, take a dose of humility by acknowledging our troubled past and seeking forgiveness.
0: Then, in September, San Jose followed suit. That the council of
1: the city of San Jose apologizes to all Chinese immigrants and their descendants who came to San Jose and were victims of systemic and institutional racism, xenophobia, and discrimination.
0: In San Francisco, though, home to the oldest and largest Chinatown in the country, there has been no acknowledgment of its xenophobic past toward Chinese immigrants. But that could change starting Tuesday when Supervisor Matt Haney introduces a resolution to do just that. Chronicle reporter Shwanika Narayan is here to talk about that resolution and San Francisco's history of anti-Chinese racism. Thanks for being here, Shwanika. I imagine that the aim of this proposed resolution is to help shed light on this ugly part of San Francisco's past. For folks who are unfamiliar, can you share some of the main laws that San Francisco enacted which targeted Chinese immigrants? I understand that this predates the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882.
2: Yes, Cecilia, thank you for having me. The Chinese weren't strangers to discriminatory laws uh pretty much since the moment they got here. You know, there were these laws like the Chinese Exclusion Act that was on the federal level. The state of California itself had numerous... Laws in place that really discriminated against this group. For example, straight up in 1850, at the height of the gold rush, uh, they passed a foreign miners tax, which affected all non white residents, which disproportionately did affect the Chinese community. They also passed a law. This is still California, prohibiting Chinese students from attending public schools with white students. So while these laws were enforced throughout the state, including in San Francisco, San Francisco had its own set of unique policies targeting the Chinese American community. Some of the discriminatory laws passed by the city um, affected you know, every aspect of their lives, from the businesses they could operate, to the schools they could attend, and where they could live. And some specific examples was like in 1870, they passed a sidewalk ordinance, San Francisco's Board of Supervisors, that prohibited the use of Yahoo Poles, which is essentially a pole carried over the shoulder and is used as a mode of transportation. Um, So transferring goods from one place to the other, whether it's for your personal, you know, errand that you had to run or uh, actual mode of transportation in terms of going for commerce at some other place. Mm. And then there's another one from 1873 to 1883. The Board of Supervisors passed more than a dozen laundry ordinances. So essentially what had happened is like there were some laws that were put in place that drove laundry outfits to the outskirts of the city. And over the years, Chinese uh, uh, were the ones that ran these businesses. And so just even going through the permitting process, uh, the Chinese would face Immense obstacles just even getting paperwork done. Anti Chinese sentiments
0: were really strong back then. And aside from laws making the lives of Chinese immigrants inconvenient, I would imagine this would have. Fields a lot of deep rage and anger against Chinese immigrants. Can you tell me more about the harm and danger that faced their lives?
2: Of course. I mean, yes. So so communal anger and rivalry between ethnic groups rose uh, around this time during the Gold Rush era. People were flooding to California and San Francisco in particular, um, which was sort of the entryway into the rest of California. And so San Francisco became a major city during this time. And communal anger rose really in the eighteen. 60s and 1870s in San Francisco. And San Francisco in particular had this wealth of anti-coolie meetings. And coolie is now an outdated derogatory term, which used to refer to someone from China or India uh, that used to come over to, to do sort of like any kind of labor work, right, or any kind of work in the field. So at these meetings, you know, the xenophobia sort of ran rampant. They blamed the Chinese for high rates of unemployment in the city and in the country at that time. They blamed them for crime and for disease. And really the the hatred sort of peaked in 1877 when San Francisco saw a three-day riot where Chinese businesses were burned and damaged to the ground. You know, I think four to five Chinese men were killed and many, many injured. And uh, there was just like lots of damage done for years to come, both financially, physically and emotionally for this community. And, And like you
0: mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, the Board of Supervisors played a role in enacting these laws that targeted Chinese immigrants. Can you tell me more about the community members who are behind the push for this resolution, which is now going to be put up to a vote with the city's current Board of Supervisors?
2: Yeah, so it, it really comes down to, to three young people who I recently met, three students who come from Asian backgrounds. You know, they've always been interested in sort of like their, their families' histories, their own community's histories in San Francisco. So Drew Min, he's a junior at UC Berkeley and is also the executive director of San Francisco Community Alliance for Unity, Safety and Education, which is a nonprofit group based here in in Chinatown. And he had been researching San Francisco's role in how the city had really marginalized its Chinese community. And together with his friend Dennis Casey Wu, who is a, a senior at Lowell High School, and George Tilton Lowe, who's a student at Stanford University. Uh, the three of them just sort of got together and started talking about what they wanted to do. But it really wasn't until Antioch in earlier this summer passed a resolution saying and officially apologizing to its own Chinese community about the harms that it had done. and And then Antioch served as a catalyst, but they tried to really bring this to supervisor Matt Haney after we they saw other cities follow suit. So San Jose has mm-hmm. apologized. Uh, I think the most recent one was Los Angeles. So Drew Min and Dennis Wu, they uh, interacted or met with Matt Haney at a lunch uh, in early October. And, you know, Drew sort of pulled out his research and and Matt Haney was really interested. Also just really, you know, just really moved, <laughs> I think, by their passion mm-hmm. and their... And, and sort of their research and how much work it had taken to to gather all the pieces of information. And, and he wanted to be a part of this. And, and he also realized that, you know, yeah, like if other cities are doing this, San Francisco, which has a very storied history uh, when it comes to Chinese American, maybe it was time to do it here too.
0: I understand you spoke to Matt Haney about supporting the resolution. What else did he share with you about the significance of the city's board of supervisors voting on an apology to the Chinese community in this moment?
2: You know, the the significance of this is essentially the acknowledgement. When you name the harm that a community has undergone at the hands of local and state governments, really, um, you know, it does something. It's sort of like tells the community that you acknowledge what has happened and you are there to listen. So it is very, Mm -hmm. very significant because while Haney doesn't want this to be a symbolic gesture, he wants it to be a little bit further, it's kind of up in the air about what the amends are actually going to look like. Whether it's funding their neighborhoods, whether it's funding their organizations, their schools, something that would be an extension of the effort that the city is really trying to rectify. Is it fair
0: to say that this is all coming about? Of course, Antioch, San Jose has already done this. So did Los Angeles. But this has been an incredibly tough couple of years for the Asian-American community because they were scapegoated for the COVID-19 pandemic. Did the pandemic sort of propel us to this moment where cities after centuries later are finally acknowledging their role in feeling sentiments that are perpetuated today?
2: I think the coronavirus pandemic does play a role in sort of this momentum that we're seeing across uh, the state, at least. You know, when when the bubonic plague happened in the early twentieth uh, century, we saw the, the Chinese basically being blamed uh, for the disease's arrival, and they had to be quarantined, uh, and and Chinatown was essentially roped off, and there was a rise in anti. Asian uh, sentiment. There was a rise in hate crimes. There was a rise in violence. And we saw almost a repeat of that scenario uh, during the COVID pandemic. So there is this sense of if not now, then when, um, at least according to some of the supervisors that are spearheading this, the COVID pandemic has definitely sort of shed a light on what this particular community has undergone. And, And remember, like, whatever affected the Chinese Ultimately affected the larger Asian community. So all these laws and all these attitudes that sort of like were targeted towards the Chinese were also targeted towards the Japanese, the Korean, and the larger API community. So it's not just one ethnicity that suffered. It was literally the entire Asian demographic and all the you know groups that fall under that.
0: So Supervisor Haney will introduce the resolution on Tuesday. What do we expect to happen and what are the next steps for this this formal apology? It's expected to go through, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah, so the resolution will be introduced on Tuesday and then voted on a week later. As I understand it, there's a lot of support for it. I think the AAPI community and and, and Haney, too, would like to acknowledge that an apology has been long overdue. But this sort of needs to move past just like a formal statement. Mm-hmm. It needs to be something that actually has actual impact and redress uh, when it comes to the grievances this community has gone through. So while this is expected to pass, what the community members and even uh, Supervisor Haney would really like to see is a discussion about the process of what actual amendments that will rectify the grievances uh, the Chinese community and the Asian community have, and and what that looks like, right? But these are the things that uh, they are going to be instituting formally in terms of an actual discussion and it will be a group effort and they will come up with it together
0: Mm -hmm. well swanika this seems like you know a lot of this is symbolic but hopefully at least it's a start of a good conversation for the community thank you for your reporting and for chatting with me about it thank you cecilia After a quick break, I'll speak with the two community members who nudged Supervisor Matt Haney to introduce a resolution to the board for San Francisco to apologize for its racist past against early Chinese immigrants. Drew Min and Dennis Wu will share what the resolution means to them and how it's more than just symbolic. I'm joined now by Dennis Wu, the chairman of the San Francisco Community Alliance for Unity, Safety, and Education, a nonprofit group, Andrew Min, the organization's executive director. They both pitched Supervisor Matt Haney during a lunch in October that San Francisco should follow the lead of other Bay Area cities and issue its own resolution apologizing to the Chinese community. And that pitch is what got the ball rolling. Thank you both for being here. Dennis, I'd like to start with you. You're a longtime leader among Asian Americans in San Francisco, and I want to understand why is the San Francisco resolution to acknowledge and apologize to the Chinese community personally significant to you?
1: You know, as you said, I I have been involved a long time in the San Francisco community. I've been involved with the ballet, the Commonwealth Club, I've really been involved in the non-Asian community for a long time in the hopes that by my being able to break through the bamboo ceiling that others, younger generation, will also be able to demonstrate that we belong. And after 50, 60 years of accomplishing the things I've accomplished, I've come to the realization that It hasn't been working. And so that's why I got much more involved in the political process. You know, good Chinese sons were taught that we don't get involved in politics. And so that's what I was told, so I didn't get involved. But I feel that if we don't get involved, if we don't recognize the atrocities that have been committed against Chinese in San Francisco, as they have been acknowledged in Antioch, San Jose and Los Angeles recently, if we don't recognize that the same way that we have recognized that atrocities have been committed to blacks, the LBGT community, the Latino community, the Jewish community, then we cannot move ahead.
0: Mm -hmm. And Drew, you're a junior at UC Berkeley. Many Asian Americans don't even know the depth of Bay Area's racist history against the Chinese community. What could a resolution like this signal to young Asian Americans who are trying to learn about their own history?
3: Well, I think this is perfect because honestly, I didn't even know there was this much, um, these many atrocities and injustices committed against Chinese Americans. And so what I would love for this to do is just as it enlightened me about how hard our communities fought in the past to get where we are now so that we know where our civil rights come from. I would love for my peers and for younger generations to also be inspired by that and to take this as a learning opportunity as to what's happened before, how we fought, what we can do in the future, and how we continue to honor that even today. A lot of people my age are not aware of the depth to which these injustices go to.
0: So even today, we see remnants of San Francisco's legacy of racism against the Chinese. You know, the Chinese hospital in Chinatown, for example, was created because Chinese immigrants didn't have anywhere to go to for health care. And Dennis, I wonder, what do you think has been the longstanding impact that San Francisco's racist history has had on the Chinese community? You know, things that we still see and feel today.
1: Since March of 2020, through June of this year, we had over 19,000 attacks, anti Asian attacks, over 700 of it alone in San Francisco. So these incidences, this hate, has not gone away. Uh, people even in San Francisco are, are blaming us, perhaps because Trump called it the China flu, um, we have people that are spitting on our people, we have people attacking our people. So these things that happened way back in the eighteen, nineteen hundreds, 1900s, when the blueplonic plague happened, and this is one of the items that we bring up in the resolution, they blamed that on the Chinese. And you mentioned Chinese hospital earlier. You know, a lot of the credit go to them. The Chinese hospital that was created because we were not allowed to use other facilities. They should be credited and need to be credited for being a part of the leadership that has allowed San Francisco to done as well as we have.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a resolution that is coming to the table centuries later. Why do you think it's taken so long for us to finally
1: acknowledge this, this history? It started in Antioch because of a colleague of mine, Andy Lee, and he spoke to the supervisors in Antioch, and they passed a resolution, and it started picking up. Mm-hmm. And people in San Jose recognize that some awful, awful things have happened. And and perhaps, I'll tell you, perhaps because of the incidences that have happened recently, and and perhaps also because we Asians have become a very significant part of the Bay Area When you look at um, Santa Clara, you look at Alameda, you look at San Mateo, you look at San Francisco, in every one of these counties, we are over 30% of the population. People are starting to recognize that we are really a very important part of this community and that we have been making contributions, our people have been making contributions, technologically and otherwise. And so perhaps it's time We also need to be embraced as part of America.
0: Drew, I understand you're Korean-American, and throughout history, Asians have been lumped together and were often treated as a homogenous group. Is that what encouraged you to nudge Supervisor Matt Haney to take action? What stirred you?
3: Yeah, so I am a Um, Korean-American. So I've I've been involved with the Korean community, and I've, I've actually written... Uh, legislation um, for the city to recognize the the efforts of Korean-Americans as well in the Bay Area. Uh, one of it is the Chuseok Resolution, which is the first uh, San Francisco resolution to recognize a Korean cultural day as a San Francisco recognized day. Because we've been lumped together um, in one group for so long, and it's only recently that, that the mainstream understanding has been able to uh, identify us by our, our rightful ethnicities, our rightful communities, Um, that it's also important to note that an attack on the Chinese community is an attack on the entire API community. That any attack on any one of our ethnicities is an attack on the wider community. Even though I'm not Chinese, that's what's been propelling me forward for this resolution, for writing it, for making sure that all of it is written down in paper. The Chinese are the forefront of the API community here in the Bay Area because of the history, because of the the population size, because they've been in the forefront. And so being able to make sure that history is in the right place also makes sure that the history for the rest of the API community is in the right place.
0: So a resolution from San Francisco could be seen as largely symbolic. And I I want to ask both of you, do you think more needs to be done? What would a real investment in the Asian-American community look like when it comes to repairing the pain of the past? Dennis, let's start with you.
1: You know, I'm not a big believer in reparations. I think what's really more important is what we do in the future and how we find ways to work together, how we find ways to build on each other's strengths. But the reason why we do need to recognize the past is to understand that we have all been victims. We, we we Chinese and have been victims of school segregation. We were not allowed to go to school for many years. We were forced into segregated schools. For me, the important part about that is for us to have a commonality of understanding that our people, too, have been through there. So now that we have that understanding, how do we take each other's strength and how do we help each other achieve the American dream and how can we make America stronger? And that is really, you know, our goal.
0: And Drew, do you agree? Do you think this resolution will help motivate a kind, the kind of support and understanding that the Asian American community needs from the broader population?
3: Well, I think that's a, very good question, I'm sure Cecilia, that you know very well, but uh, you know our history and our pride uh is very important to the identity of being an api um, and so the symbolic apology uh means so much more to us because it's a rectification of the things that were done wrongly to our ancestors to those who came before us, and I believe that. Starting with this symbolism is a huge step forward, but there's definitely a lot more things that we can be doing. One of them, of course, in the rise of anti-Asian hate is safety, safety and education. If different communities, different organizations or governments want to actively help API communities, they need to be investing in that safety, into that education, so that our API communities don't feel threatened like they do now. So although the symbolism, incredible, great step forward, but there's a lot more work to do.
0: Well, Dennis and Drew, this is such an important part of San Francisco history. And I thank you both for helping shed light on it uh, to the city and also our listeners. Thanks for chatting with me.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Drew Min and Dennis Wu lead the nonprofit organization, the San Francisco Community Alliance for Unity, Safety and Education, or SF Cause. They are featured in Shwanika Narayan's story about the city's proposed resolution to address its racist past against Chinese immigrants. You can find it online now at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening.